Hello and welcome to Day 3 Live, the live broadcast of Sunday morning service at Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. You can learn more about our ministry at day3church.org or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash d3church. It's Easter, the time when Christians celebrate the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. And we're doing a two-part series entitled, His Cross, Your Cross. Last week, we discussed the crucifixion of Jesus and how what appeared to be weakness was actually a means of displaying God's strength. Today, we focus on what the cross means for us. What do you really believe and how does it affect your daily life? Join us as Pastor Lynn shares part two of the series, His Cross, Your Cross. Good morning, everyone. We are uh, very glad you decided to join with us this morning. Uh, This will be posted later on on our Facebook, uh, so share this. Uh, uh, It'll stay on Facebook, be posted on our website, so please share this uh, through the week. Uh, I realize it's a uh, strange time uh, for us on Easter Sunday. I would much rather be able to see all of you face-to-face, and uh, hopefully that'll happen before long, but I'm also thankful for the technology that allows us to to get together uh, on on this Easter Sunday. Um, So, you know, happy Easter. Uh, That sounds like a strange term maybe for some people uh, right now, but uh, I honestly think it's something we ought to celebrate. Uh, We ought to be so thrilled and celebrate what Jesus did for us on the cross. If it wasn't for his cross and him fully paying for our sin debt, we wouldn't have any hope today. There'd be no reason to ever come back in the doors of Day 3 Church or to ever broadcast any more worship services had Jesus not fully, fully paid for our sins on the cross. And not just paying for our sins, what we uh, celebrate today is that he took his life back up. And by Jesus doing exactly what he said he would do, taking his life back up on the third day, that gives us all the evidence in the world that we need, uh, all the evidence of heaven that we need to know that we can fully trust in him. So I hope you've already done that. If not, I hope you'll consider trusting Christ as your Savior uh, before even this service is over with. Uh, And if we can help you in any way, please let us know. We're doing a a mini uh, series for Easter, uh, just a two-part series. We started out last week talking about his cross, uh, and the rest of the series is about uh, our cross or your cross. Uh, so that's the, the purpose of this series, to focus on what Jesus has done and how that ought to impact us. And I'll say more about that in, in just a moment. Uh, last week, as we talked about his cross, we were in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and I'm not going to read all the verses. I'm just going to talk through it to kind of catch you up to speed in case you missed last week. But as we talked about his cross, we, we found out this, that the cross of Christ demonstrates God's power. To, to a lot of people back in that day and time, to the uh, to the Greeks, because of the intellectualism, uh, the preaching of the cross seemed like foolishness to them. But to us who believe, it's the power of God to salvation. So uh, the cross of Jesus literally demonstrates the power of God. We also focused on this. The cross of Christ destroys worldly wisdom. And Paul quoted from a passage in Isaiah to where God said that he was going to destroy worldly wisdom. Uh, and then Paul even brings that forward and he kind of challenges people in that text in first Corinthians and he said you know where's the debater where's the wise man we're the smart people you know let let them give all the answers to life and death let them give all the the answers that uh, people might have about eternity and the truth of the matter is they didn't have the answers 
But God did have the answer. His answer was always sending his son. His answer was the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So God has actually made foolish the wisdom of the world. Third thing we saw last week is this. The cross of Christ displays God's wisdom. The cross of Jesus displays the very wisdom of God. And in those verses, uh, Paul said that it pleased God uh, because men cannot really know him through wisdom, through human wisdom, through worldly wisdom. It pleased God that they could know him through the preaching of the cross is more or less what Paul is saying. And guys, through the gospel, that shows us the supreme wisdom of God because there's no way we can save ourselves. There's no way we can fully find ourselves in all of our intellectual pursuits. There's no way we can correct our lives and find our way to heaven uh, through worldly type pursuits or through trying to be good or trying to obey the law. None of that worked. But what did work and what continues to work and what will always work is Jesus Christ, God's son, being crucified on the cross, fully paying for the sin of all mankind so that through faith in him, not through worldly wisdom, but through faith in him, through the preaching of the cross, we can receive everlasting life. That shows the total wisdom of God because if our salvation were based upon anything else, we'd always have huge question marks, whether we had done enough, whether we really knew Christ as our Savior. But when it's all based upon his finished work on the cross and his resurrection, that gives us everything we need to trust in him. So that's what we talked about last week. Today, though, as thankful as I am for the cross of Jesus, we need to recognize that we have a cross to carry also. We, we need to understand and recognize as much as we're thankful for the, the wisdom and the power of God providing salvation for us through the cross of Jesus, doing for us what we can never do for ourselves, we, we need to recognize that cross of Jesus ought to impact us in a way because the Bible tells us we've got a cross to carry. I'm going to be in Luke chapter 9 this morning, and um, I'm going to ask you if you would to uh, find your Bible. Hopefully, you've already got it close by. <clears throat> we will have the verses on the screen, but we're going to be in Luke 9, verse 18 through 23. Um, I'm not planning on doing this, but I feel led to do it, and I may mess the cameraman up. I'm not sure, but a lot of times we will stand in honor of God's word. I think with it being Easter Sunday, I want to kneel and read God's word to you. And I ask you maybe if you so feel led in your home to to kneel with your family and take your Bible and and kneel and and, and read our scripture text today. Luke chapter nine, beginning in verse eighteen. Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him and he asked them, who the crowd say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, but others say Elijah, and others, one of the prophets of old has risen. Then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him, the Christ of God. And he, Jesus, strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes 
and be killed and on the third day be raised. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Near the end, I might read a couple more verses. Would you join with me in prayer? Father, we, we thank you for our opportunity that we have to worship you and the purpose we have to worship in you today because of the great salvation you purchased through your son and the hope that we have in the resurrection. Father, I pray for everyone that's joining us today that they already know Christ. If not, that they'll come to know Christ. But Father, I pray you challenge our hearts, those of us who are believers, especially to ask ourselves if we are carrying our cross daily, if we're following you like we should. And Father, if not, help, help correct our paths today. And Father, for those that don't know you, get them on the pathway today by giving them the faith they need to trust in Jesus. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want you to notice uh, three vital questions I think that we need to focus on and ask ourselves from this passage today. We need to consider these three vital questions and we need to answer these as, as individuals on this Easter Sunday. Here's question number one. Question number one is this, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus is question number one. Kindly, I phrased it a different way also. Who do you believe Jesus is? Who do you believe that Jesus is? So question number one, who is Jesus? Kindly, an addendum to that, who do you believe Jesus is? Let me look with you at verse 18 through 21 again. Now it happened as he was praying, the disciples were with him, and he asked them, who do the crowd say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah and others that... Is, or some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others say one of the prophets of old that is risen. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered the Christ of God. And he strictly charged and commanded them to tell no one at that time. We'll get to that in a moment. I want you to sink in for a minute in the significance of, of what's taking place. It kind of poured into my heart as I studied for this message, maybe more than I had ever noticed this, but notice the significance of the setting. The Bible said that Jesus was praying and he's praying alone, it says. I, I don't know why the disciples weren't praying. There are other times that that was the issue. He took them into Gethsemane with him and asked them to watch and pray and they fell asleep. But, but here the Bible says that, that, that Jesus was praying, the disciples were with him but it doesn't sound like they were praying. It just sounded like Jesus there was praying alone. And guys, I, I get this from the scripture. Jesus praying to the Father was a very important part of his life. We we're told in the scriptures that sometimes he would go and pray all night long. And, and Jesus praying to, to his father was a very, very, very important activity. He valued his time alone with the father. He valued prayer. But it looks like to me he's praying alone and he interrupts his prayer time with the father 
to ask the disciples two really important questions. So to me, that ought to add to the significance of what's taking place. Jesus is praying to the Father, and then in the midst of praying, it's like he calls time out for a minute to ask something that's really, really extremely important for his disciples to answer. So he asked them these two important questions. Number one, he asked, what are others saying about me? So our question this morning would be this. What, what are others saying about Jesus? What are others saying about Christ? You hear it from all kinds of different voices in our culture as far as the day that we live in. The disciples said this. Uh, they said, well, when Jesus said, what do the crowds say? Who do they say that I am? They said, John the Baptist, Elijah, and some others, the prophets of, of old that are, that are risen. Now, I want you to stop and think about something. Jesus knew already what people were thinking. It wasn't a question on Jesus' heart what people were thinking. Multiple times in the scriptures, we are given instances of Jesus knowing the thoughts of people. So, so Jesus didn't necessarily need to investigate to find out what others were thinking. He knew. He didn't even need to investigate to find out what the disciples were thinking. And yet, even though Jesus knew, he asked this question, very important question, I think as an entrance ramp to a more important question we'll get to in just a moment. But the first question was simply this. What are people saying about me? Who do people say that I am? And, of course, the answer was, was that. Some say, well, you're John the Baptist. Of course, who had been beheaded? And they're thinking, well, John the Baptist has come back, and, and Jesus is now John the Baptist. That's what some people thought. Uh, Elijah had been taken up in a fiery chariot, and some are thinking, well, Elijah's come back, and, and that's who this person that, that, that is Jesus walking around us. That's really who he is. And other people said, well, some other prophet of old, multiple prophets of old that they might have been thinking that he was. Today, there are a lot of voices that will tell you different things about Jesus. So some people in the crowd today say, well, yeah, Jesus was a good man. Or, or Jesus was a very uh, religious person, or Jesus was a good teacher, or, or Jesus was just a rabbi. That's, that's where a lot of the world leaves him. And while he was some of those things, he's so much more than those things. And to say that Jesus was just a good teacher and a rabbi, or whatever the, our culture might want to pass him off as today, misses the significance of who he was. Because Jesus, the Bible teaches, was God in the flesh. Jesus, the Bible teaches, is, was who Peter said that he was. He's the, the Christ. He's the son of the living God. But people tend to miss that. They want him just to be a, a good teacher or a good rabbi, and they sell him short of who he really is. Guys, if you'll think about it logically, if Jesus is not who he claimed to be and he claimed to be God, and you, you can't have it both ways. You can't have Jesus being a good teacher and claiming to be God if he's not God. He either is or he isn't. And he definitely claimed to be God. 
So let's go to the next question because I think this is the question. Jesus really used the first question as an on-ramp, maybe an entrance to this second question with the disciples. The second question is this, what do you say about me? The question for us today is, is what do you say? What do I say? What do you say about Jesus? Then he said to them, but do you say, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, the Christ of God. So I want to break that down two ways. First of all, think about the truth concerning the identity of Jesus. The truth concerning the identity of, of Jesus. Peter answered, you're the Christ of God. He, he's saying, you're the Christos. You're the anointed one. You're the one that's been promised that would come. You're the one that we waited on. You're the one that we've looked for. Peter's saying, we believe you're him. You're, you're the Christos. And, and Peter's concept of who he was might not have been exactly correct at that point in time because he probably thought that Jesus was showing up as the uh, new political leader of Israel that's going to chase away the Roman Empire and, and set up the throne of David uh, right away. That might have been what he was thinking. But, but he does call him the, the Christos. P Peter's name means a piece of rock. Jesus had actually changed his name in, in an earlier instance that had taken place. His name had been Simon, which meant a small movable rock, a kickable rock. But, but now he calls him Peter. And, and Peter means a, a little bit of a bigger rock, but it's a rock connected to the, to the huge foundation stone. I, I think when Jesus, in another of the Gospels, when he said, you're Peter, and upon this rock, he's not talking about Peter. When he says, you're Peter, upon this rock, I don't even think he's talking about the confession of faith. He said, you're Peter, but upon this rock, I believe Jesus pointed his own divine self because he's the rock. The Bible teaches he's the rock. He's the foundation stone. So, so here, I, I believe that, that, that Peter, this little piece of a rock connected to the larger rock, tells us exactly who Jesus is. Him being the Christos, he's the anointed one, the Messiah. Guys, that, that's an epithet for Jesus. The, the word means this, the root word means that it's the, he's the anointed one. It means to smear with oil. It, it means to be consecrated to a religious service. That's who Jesus was. He was sent by the Father, consecrated as the only one that could come into this world, the only one that could go to the cross, the only one that could pay the penalty for our sins. That's who Jesus is. He's the Christ. And Christ isn't his last name. Christ is his title. And he was sent purposely anointed by the Father to be the only one that could come into this world and pay the penalty for our sins. But I want to personalize it. That, that's great that Peter answered that. But I want to ask you on this Easter Sunday, who do you believe Jesus is? What, what is it that you say about Jesus? Because I, I want you to stop and really get this. What you believe about Jesus, who you think Jesus is, is the most important question, the most important answer you can ever have in your life. Knowing for sure who Jesus is. 
You you need to understand who he is. You need to understand he's a virgin-born son of God. You need to understand he's the only one that could come into this world and be the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He's the only one that could come and be our full and final sacrifice. Jesus is the only one that can do that. And I hope you can answer that correctly today when I ask you, who do you believe Jesus is? If not, I hope you'll get it right before this worship time's over. Not just the truth concerning the identity of Jesus, but I, I, I want you to notice that now it's time to share the truth about Jesus. You might have thought a little bit strange a moment ago. Why would he ask the disciples, who do you believe that I am? And then Peter nail it. Peter get it right. And then Jesus turned right around and strictly charged them and commanded them to tell no one. You see, we'll find out why he said that in a minute when we get to verse 22. It wasn't time yet for Jesus to be enthroned on earth. It wasn't time for the kingdom of God to be set up here on the earth. It wasn't time for him to restore the kingdom of David. Was it time to come in and set up a millennial kingdom? What it was time for is this. It was time for him to come and suffer and die and pay the full penalty of our sins on the cross. That's what it was time for. So that's why Jesus tells them then in that moment, don't go tell anybody about this. He didn't want them coming to grab him and try and put him on the throne because before he went to a throne, he had to go to a cross. But now things have changed. (laughs) Don't ever look at this verse and use this as an excuse and say, well, Jesus said, don't tell anyone about it. Hey, that's what he told the disciples in that moment because he had to go to the cross first. Now Jesus has gone to the cross and he fully paid for our sins and he took his life back up on the third day. So now we're to tell everybody. We're told in the Great Commission to tell the whole world. We're not to keep it a secret. We're to share with everyone, tell everyone the good news of the gospel. We're to preach the gospel to everyone. We're to make disciples of all nations. We're we're not to keep silent. We're to spread it from one person to the next, to the next, to the next. We're in the middle of a pandemic with this coronavirus. Can I suggest to you, here's what we ought to do. We ought to have a pandemic of sharing Jesus. We ought to have a pandemic of taking the gospel from one person to the next person to the next person. It ought to become viral in our lives. It ought to be viral in our world that we share Jesus in that way. And if you're not sharing him with others, I, and you know him as Savior, I hope you'll, you'll change that. Second main question this morning is this. What did Jesus do? Not just who he is, but what did Jesus do? What do you believe that that Jesus did? Verse 22, after Jesus said, don't tell anyone right now, and here's why he said it. Verse 22, saying the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. That's why Jesus told them, don't tell anyone yet. Jesus says, he, the son of man, that's his favorite term of referring to himself. He, the son of man, must suffer and be rejected and be killed and on the third day be 
raised. The reason that had to happen, because all of it had been foretold before by God the Father. It had always been God's plan of redemption. It had all been part of of what God planned must take place in order that mankind might be forgiven, in order that our, our sins might be paid for. All those sacrificial lambs on the day of redemption would not last. An animal dying for the sin of mankind was temporary. The only thing that would work would be for God to become man and he be that sinless lamb and he go to the cross and, and he shed his blood for, for our sins. That's the only thing that would work. It was always God's great plan of redemption. Let me share with you some verses, both in the Old and New Testament. Isaiah 53, verse 3 through 6, a prophecy about Jesus. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised. And we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. That's what Jesus did for us. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we're healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Guys, it, it, it wasn't the Roman Empire or the, the Jewish leaders that afflicted Jesus, that, that caused Jesus to be smitten. It was God the Father. It was always God the Father's plan. Oh, they participated in it just like they were part of a passion play, not realizing that God was the director and he was calling all the shots. Jesus went to the cross for us. He carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions, our sins. He he was crushed for our iniquities. and, And God put on him our chastisement so we could have peace. With his stripes, we're healed. So many times people take that out of context and want to take that into the physical realm. Hey, it's much deeper and grander than that. By his stripes, we're healed of our sin debt. We're healed of our sin problem through faith in Jesus. He paid for it all. John chapter 1, verse 29. We already alluded to John the Baptist. Some people think that's who Jesus was. John was standing with some of his disciples, and it said the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. All through the Bible, you had pictures of a lamb, types of a lamb. In Isaiah, he's even referred to as a he. We just read it a moment ago. He's personified as a lamb. Now John the Baptist is standing there and he says, hey, that's him. That's who he is. That's the lamb of God that's going to take away the sin of the world. Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, the second part, tells us this, that Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Was it plan B? It was always plan A. God always planned to send him to die for our sins. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 27, unlike the other high priest, 
Because Jesus is the ultimate high priest. Unlike the other high priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins. That's what the other high priest had to do. Jesus was sinless. He didn't have to offer anything for his own sins. First for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. Instead, here's what Jesus did. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. Jesus as our high priest, Jesus as our sacrifice rolled into one, and he offered himself to die for our sins. Matthew 28, verse 5 and 6. But the angel said to the woman, we're here at the resurrection scene. Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. <laughs> for he has risen as he said. And then the angel said, hey, come over here. I want you to see where he was laying, the place where he was. It had all been foretold, and it all takes place. What did Jesus do? Now, that's the question we're talking about. We already asked you the question, who do you believe Jesus is? But what do you believe Jesus did? Well, what did Jesus do? The Bible tells us this. He died for our sins, and it was always God's plan. He came into this world, and he was nailed to a cross, and he shed his blood as the once and for all time sacrifice for sin, and then he took his life back up. That's the message of the gospel. He died for our sins. So what do you believe this morning? Do you, do you believe that? Can I stop and tell you something? That's what you better believe. Maybe some of you have been trusted in the worldly pursuits and you thought you could get by with the things of this world. Have you figured out recently the world has come to an abrupt stop? Have you noticed during this pandemic how quickly things can change? How all the things you were banking your life upon, how all the things you're enjoying all of a sudden can come to a screeching halt and what you had been trusting in is not even available to you now. Everything in this world is transient. Everything can change at a moment's notice. The only thing that will never, ever change is the gospel of Jesus. And that's why I'm suggesting that you answer that question correctly today, that, that you trust in him. Question number three on this Easter Sunday is, is this. We've already asked you the question, who is Jesus? And what did he do? Question three is this. Where is your cross? Where is your cross? Or are you following Jesus? Look what Jesus said to his disciples in verse 23. He said to all, I know he's talking to all of his disciples in that moment, but I believe he still has application to all who claim to be his disciples, all who claim to know him as Savior. He said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Let me read it again. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Easter's about his cross. Easter's about his resurrection. But it's also about your cross. 
you, you need to understand, Jesus died so you can follow him. Yes, he died so you can be saved. Yes, he died so you can be forgiven. Yes, he died is your only hope. The only chance that you have of forgiveness in heaven is through the, the, the finished sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and, and him taking his life back up to show you you can have hope of everlasting life through him. Yes, all that's true. But it's also true that he died on the cross so you can follow him. That he took his life back up so you can follow him right now in this life. Not just follow him to, se- to heaven one day, but you can follow him right now in this life. The truth is this, Jesus wants you to come after him. He said, if anyone would come after me, he wants you to do it. But the word if is a word of conditionality. There's a condition there, if, if you'll do this, if you want to do this, if you'll come after me. And in order to do that, Jesus even used the imperative tense here to make us understand this. He expects us to do this, not just know about it. In the imperative tense in the Greek, when Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, that the phrase come after me is in the imperative tense in the Greek. That means it's a command. That means it's an expectation, a high expectation on the heart of God. It's a high expectation that Jesus has for us as, as followers. We're supposed to come after him if we're his followers. It's not something he just wants us to know about. It's something that he wants us to, to do. In order really to to, to follow Jesus and be his disciple, you have to deny yourself, Jesus said. Yet you have to take up your cross and follow Jesus. Let's talk about some of those words or phrases just for a minute, and then, then we're done today. Jesus used the word deny. The word that he used in the original Greek means to deny utterly. It means to disown, to disdain. The root word means to contradict, to disavow, and to reject. So that means this for us. That means that I'm to deny myself. I'm to disown myself. I'm to have disdain for my purposes. I'm to have disdain for my plans disdain for the way I want to live my life. And I'm supposed to replace all of those things with the purposes of God, with the purposes of Jesus. I'm supposed to utterly abhor the things that I just want. And since I claim to be a Christian and I claim to be a follower of him, I'm supposed to totally replace the things that Lynn Parsons wants the things that's of Lynn Parsons. I'm supposed to totally replace those things with a purpose and the plan that God has instead of my own plans. Can I ask you a question, a couple of questions? Have have you done that? (laughs) Have you denied yourself? Are you doing that? Are you denying yourself? If you're not, will you make a change and do that? Because that's what Jesus expects for you to be his follower. He also used this phrase, take up your cross. 
take up your cross. That phrase means actively. It's also in the imperative tense. Actively take up your cross. It was a phrase that also meant to expiate sin or pay for sin. That's what Jesus did for us. We can't do it for ourselves. But when he says, take up your cross, he, he means actively. He gives that as a command, imperative tense. Take up your cross. And in that day and time, the cross meant a whole lot more than a piece of jewelry you hang around your neck or a tattoo that you get somewhere on your body. When Jesus said this, they understood the cross was an instrument of capital punishment. Someone carrying a cross meant that they're going to die is what it meant in that day and time. No, no mistaken about that. That, that meant that, that Jesus is saying this is what it means to us. Jesus is saying we ought to die to ourselves. You, you ought to die to yourself and, and live for him. <clears throat> you're to take up your cross. You're to actively take up your cross. You're, you're to actively point others to the cross of Jesus, just helping them have their sins forgiven because only Jesus can expiate sin, pay for sin. Taking up your cross doesn't mean some of the things I've heard people twisted into meaning. I've heard people all my life say things like, well, I, I guess the situation that I'm facing in my life right now, I, I guess it's just my cross to bear. I, I guess me being out of a job right now because of this pandemic, I guess that's just my cross to bear. Or I guess me going through this sickness is just my cross to bear. Or I guess the way people treat me is, is just my cross to to bear. Guys, that's not what Jesus meant at all. When Jesus said to take up your cross and follow him daily, he's meaning this. He means you're to die to yourself. There's a sacrifice taking place. Just like Jesus died on the cross, we're to die to, to ourselves. We're to take up our cross and die to ourselves. It doesn't mean, well, I guess this little thing I'm facing in my life is my cross to, to carry. No, that's not what it means. What it really means is this. It means your total life is to die. Your total willpower is to die. All that you are, you're, you're to sacrifice that and follow Jesus. That's what Jesus is telling us to, to do. The total and complete situation, not just these little things you go through and say, I guess that's my cross to bear. No, it's a total situation of all your life. Every bit of your life is to be sacrificially lived for Jesus. And then notice Jesus said the word daily. <clears throat> really deep meaning in the Greek. It means a 24-hour period. Is that simple enough? Daily, daily. He said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. I'm afraid that's our big struggle point. <laughs> I'm afraid too many people will say, well, I've, yes, I've trusted in Jesus. I'm on my way to heaven and I've kind of taken up my cross and I'm following him and we put it in an all and done mode and it's never all and done. There are things I need to do today to take up my cross, to die to myself more, to live more sacrificially. The things I need to do today 
But there'll be different things I'll need to do tomorrow. I'll be faced with new temptations, new struggles tomorrow. Now, if I'm going to follow Jesus the way he wants me to follow him, yes, I need to to take up my cross and follow him today, but tomorrow's a new day, and the day after that's a new day, and every day of your life and my life is a new day. It's not a one-time-and-done thing. Yes, our salvation is trusted in the cross, but you following Jesus isn't just one-time thing to where you say, all right, Jesus, I'm following you, and then you go on to live your life however you want to live it. That's not being a disciple. Being a disciple of Jesus is to deny yourself daily, to sacrifice your life daily for the life that Christ has for you to live. Daily, you and I are to die. Every day of the rest of your life, after you trust Christ as your Savior, you're to die to self daily and actively live for him. There's tragic consequences when we fail to do this. Our church had lost a couple, a young couple, yesterday morning. They used to be really faithful. And somewhere along the way, they stepped away. And I'm not trying to be improper by referring to them. But I can't help them now. But I can maybe help you. And if they had been practicing this right here, daily, 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 taking up their cross, dying to themselves daily, 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 following him, I, I think the situation and the story of their lives would be different. Two years ago, this young man even told me he felt like God was calling him to ministry. He started taking classes at Liberty online. I've had a really, really bad Saturday yesterday. And so did the rest of our staff and many of you that are part of Day 3 Church. Not near as bad as their three children. I want to ask you to pray for their children. And we need to see what we can do to help. But the guys, the only reason I'm using this right now as an illustration is to make this point. Like I said a moment ago, I, I can't help them right now. They're already gone. But I can challenge you and help you and challenge myself and challenge those that are here, our staff and, 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 and our wives, that we daily, daily, daily die to ourselves that we daily are taking up our cross, that we're daily following Jesus. Not a one time and done and, and think you can go in cruise control on your spiritual life. It's a daily thing. If we're going to be his disciples the way he wants us to be his disciples daily, daily, you need to take up your cross and follow him. I put this message together a few weeks ago. I had no idea it would be in these circumstances. 
the main thing I had planned, and I think God had planned, is that last week when I preached on his cross, you probably thought you'd hear that today. You weren't planning on Easter Sunday to hear about your cross. And I think God did that to give us a wake-up call because of what he did for us. Surely that's worthy of us daily (laughs) taking up our cross, daily dying more to ourselves, daily denying ourselves. But he also said, follow me. Literally means to be on a road with. Literally means to be in the same way with. To to accompany or, or to follow. So guys, as we apply this to the challenge that Jesus gives us, if we would come after him, we need to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily and and follow him. He's telling us that, that we need to, to walk through life with him. He, he's blazed the, the, the life God desires for us to live before us in the scriptures. You can read the way he lived his life. And he bids us to follow him. He commands us to follow him. He, he wants us to get behind him on his road, not on our road, not on our pathway, not on the road of the world. He wants us to get behind him on his road and live life in the same way that he did. Jesus wants us to, to accompany him in this life. You see, the truth of the matter is this. The Bible teaches if you really know Christ as your Savior, the very Spirit of God lives in you. So wherever you go, Jesus is there. We need to let him control wherever we go. Control our choices. Control our decisions. On this Easter Sunday, are you following Jesus like that? The paths you walked this past week, were they the paths that Jesus wants you to walk? The paths you walked yesterday, were those the paths Jesus would have been walking and were you following him? The paths maybe you've got planned for later today or this coming week, are they his paths or your paths? Because if we're going to be his disciples, he calls us to follow him. Are you ministering to people the way Jesus did? Are you loving people the way Jesus did? He calls us to do that. And some people are hard to love. That's why we have to learn how to deny ourselves. It's not about us. It's about him and it's about others. If you're not doing those things, I think Easter Sunday is a pretty good Sunday to start getting it right to start thinking about what it really means to follow Jesus. To start asking yourself if you're really on the pathway with him day to day in your life. Are you denying yourself daily? Are you dying to yourself daily? Are you living your life in the same way with him, on the same road with him? It boils down to surrender. I listened to a great message, and I reposted the link to it on our Facebook through Life Church and Craig Groeschel. 
And he did something I had not planned on doing it, but he did something near the end of that message as he talked about surrender. He talked about how Jesus surrendered to the Father's will in Gethsemane. And, and, and Craig said this. He said, some of you are about 20 inches away from surrender. And he just kind of let it hang there for a minute. I encourage you to go watch the message when you get a chance. They'll be playing it today at various hours. They'll be playing it tomorrow. And he let that thought of 20 inches hang there just for a moment. And then he did this. He said, 20 inches is about the distance from your knee to the bottom of your feet. And as long as you're still trying to stay strong, standing on your feet, you're short of surrender. But it's when you kneel before him and you offer everything that you are to him and you fully surrender. He said, that's what surrender is before God. Father, I pray right now for those that are listening that may not have ever trusted Christ as Savior. I pray right now today you'd speak to their heart. I pray you draw them to yourself. Father, I pray you help them see all that you have provided for them fully in the sacrifice of your son on the cross. How Jesus fully paid for their sin debt. Help them to understand nothing else works. They can't be good enough. They can't follow the law and earn their way into heaven. Help them understand the truth about who they are, who we all are. You, you tell us we've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. The Father, give them the faith they need right now to trust in the finished work of Jesus. The Jesus that hung on the cross, the Jesus that said it is finished, and the Jesus that, that, that took his life back up on the third day to show we can trust in him. The Father, anyone that's not done that this morning, I pray right now, Father, you'll, you'll give them the faith they need to trust in Jesus. Father, I pray for those of us that already know him. I pray, Father, that you'll help us evaluate our lives on this Easter Sunday. And if we're not following you as we should, if we're not taking up our cross daily and dying to ourselves as we should, if we're not denying ourselves daily as we should, if we're not following you as we should, Father, help us to make new commitments today. Those of us who know Christ as Savior, to, to change all that and, and to follow you in stronger, deeper ways. Father, especially right now for someone that needs Christ, help them to pray something like this. God, I admit to you I'm a sinner. I agree with you fully that I can't save myself, that I can't fix my own life. I admit to you I've sinned. And I'm repenting of that sin. I'm turning from my sin and I'm turning to you by faith. 
And God, I'm taking you at your word that Jesus died on the cross and he paid once and for all my sin, that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God, I claim that promise today. Admitting my sin, turning to you, trusting fully in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Father, I receive you. I receive Christ into my heart and into my life. I invite you to be my Lord. I invite you to be the director of my life. Father, I want to follow Jesus. For it's in his name I pray. Amen. We've talked about who Jesus is today. We talked about what Jesus did. He's the Christ. He's the Messiah. He fully came, anointed of God, to pay for our penalty of sin on the cross. But we've also talked about your cross and ask you whether you're following him. Please listen to the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. So we have this time of invitation, this song. If you have questions about what it means to trust in Christ, you're watching on Facebook, type a comment down. Don't worry about what someone else sees. Don't worry about what someone else thinks. If you don't know Christ as your Savior and you prayed just a moment ago, let us know that. If you've got more questions, type it in and let us know that. Listen to the Holy Spirit speak to your heart during this time. Who is Jesus to you? What is the cross really about? Are you really following Christ? These are important questions that need to be answered honestly. God truly loves you so much that he sent Christ so that you and I could experience grace, mercy, forgiveness, and a new life. He wants you to come to him in repentance and receive the gift of grace. We would love to talk with you and offer support. If you want to know more about Jesus and how to follow him, we would love to pray with you. Please contact us at day3church.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash d3church. We care about you and we want to connect with you. We're here to help. Until next time, this is Pastor John reminding you that God is greater than your circumstance and his mercies are new every morning. It's time to experience a new day in your life.